Long Take Review, a film podcast with one eye always on the Oscar race. I'm your host, Jensen Chakshay Bankard, and I'm here with a friend who was also keeping track of movie trailers dropping during the Super Bowl, though arguably he was paying more attention to the rest of the game than I was. It's P.T. McNiff. How's it going, P.T.? Tracking the commercials, tracking private jets on who may or may not attend, you know, the usual things that sports fans do. Uh, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, Jen. How are you? I'm doing really well. Yeah. Didn't have a particular stake in this year's Super Bowl. And so it was very nice, relaxed. Uh, it was able to sort of like monitor the TV for the, the movie trailers a little bit more than normal, maybe. We are here today to react to two big movie nerd events from this weekend. And the fact that they both happened this weekend really is the only thing that connects them at all. Uh, the DGA Awards, so the Directors Guild uh, Awards, and the as we were saying, the film trailers that dropped during the Super Bowl, which usually are pretty a pretty big deal for for people who are trying to get hyped up for new movies throughout the rest of the year. Uh, we are just going to kind of react to these two bits of news, uh, talk about kind of like our speculation, um, you know, especially for the DGA Awards, what this means for the Oscar race. And then for a Super Bowl ads, just sort of like, what are we the most excited about? What looks really good? What, what do we have questions about potentially? Um, but before we get into it, PT, if our fine listeners don't want to miss new episodes, what can they do? Well, uh, they are welcome to please follow or subscribe to the Long Take Review wherever uh, they get their podcasts. Um, you know, we're, we're talking Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. Where are you listening to us now? Look for a subscribe button right nearby, um, and you'll get you'll get new episodes. Uh, you can also uh, go to where we are hosted on uh, Jen's Substack, thelongtake.substack.com, uh, and for updates uh, in in a more social media setting, you can follow us on Instagram or Threads at the Long Take Review. Thanks, PT. Uh, so we are going to start with the DGA Awards because there are relatively fewer sort of line items uh, for that one. And then we'll get into the Super Bowl ads. Uh, but the big headline coming out of the DGA, which to, to give some context, the DGA awards are not televised. So if you're like, wait, I didn't see these. There's a reason no one saw them uh, <laughs> unless you were nominated uh, or were a reporter uh, who was invited. Right. So I sort of watched bits and pieces online, like some, some reporters, you know, very spottily uh, posted clips to their accounts and stuff like that with their just from their phones. So it was very poor sound quality and video quality, but I caught a little bit of it. But the main headline is that the the major award for feature film directing went to Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, which honestly surprised probably very few people. But PT, what were your thoughts on this? What do you feel like this means for the Oscar race? Is this just sort of like Check. Let's keep going. I mean, kind of. I mean, the you know, the it, it was continuing the coronation. I, I will say there has been, uh, at least in the community of people like us, and you know, fan, just fans that are out there, and also maybe you know, people more more professional critics. Not that we're unprofessional, but they actually get paid to do all this. Uh, who they've been kind of kicking around the idea of like, are we sure Oppenheimer is the front runner? Like. What about the holdovers? Like the holdovers is actually getting all this momentum. And actually, what about poor things? It's it's chugging away and making a lot of money. And people are really into uh, Emma Stone. Maybe zone of interest. Like, you know, bah, people are actually seeing zone of interest. And it does sort of feel a little bit like there's no story in, 
it's you know another week goes by Oppenheimer's still going to win so there's nothing to print uh so to speak and that people just want there to be chatter and something to discuss when in reality you know it's sort of like how we had all talked ourselves into like I think you know the Charles Melton might be the front runner for best supporting actor and then the Golden Globes happened and they gave it to Robert Downey Jr and he gave a great speech and we all were like oh yeah this was always going to go to Robert Downey Jr in Oppenheimer what who were we kidding uh, so, you know, I think it's a somewhat similar, I don't know if there ever really was a strong challenge in directing, but I think that it, you know, further solidifies Oppenheimer at the top of the hill. Doesn't mean anything's a lock, uh, but, you know, it, it, it feels like it's still the dominant force in much the same way everything, everywhere, all at once was the dominating force last year. What, what did you think? Agreed. So, I mean, I think this seals the deal for director. Because DGA has a really strong record of cross of overlapping with best director at the Oscars. I think it's eighty nine percent of the time they're the same. Wow. Um, so and that's pretty high. Like if you do a lot of Oscars stats, like that's that's a high percentage. <laughs> People have bet on on much less, um, including myself. Um, and uh, so so yes, I think this solidifies Christopher Nolan. I think. Since we have had in the past so many splits between director and picture, which wasn't really a thing before, I want to say like 2015 or something like, you know what I mean? Like, the, it was rare. The, it was definitely rare. The yeah. biggest one in recent memory is, was it Roma? Got director and was it the Green Book year? Yes. I think that's what really started this whole thing of like, oh, no, we can't just assume director well, and picture the, are lining There up. was also Brokeback Mountain and Crash. Like, there were a few times. Like, Ang Lee okay. has won Best Director twice, but never won Best Picture, right? Like, that's so... Oh, yeah, there's been crazy. those little moments. And then, you know, Spielberg and Shakespeare in Love is another one, uh, you know, in back then. But, yeah, it felt for a long time like these were intertwined. And that was a rarity, whereas, you know... That's that maybe that doesn't feel as much the case these days. Right. Because I want to say even last year with the Daniels winning, people were like, huh, OK. We were just assuming it was splitting because they were, you know, lesser known directors, uh, even even with all of the momentum for everything everywhere all at once. So. So, yeah, I think that Best Picture is still somewhat open, though, if I were to put money down today, not that I would actually bet money on any of these things because that would make it a whole other thing. But uh <laughs> <laughs> you can go to Mike, Mike and Oscar if you want to know actual betting odds um, and where you should, how you should parlay things and put money down. Like they're, they're great at that. Oh, gosh. Um, me, I'm just like, I can't do that. That's it's already stressful enough just doing it for the bragging rights. <laughs> um, but I do think that, that like, if I were to kind of say today, call it today, I would say that Oppenheimer still is taking best picture as well. So, and this is just generally the steamrolling of it. Because people are just talking about it getting all of the technical categories. I feel like I was listening to Ryan McQuaid was on, actually probably was Mike, Mike and Oscar the other day. They actually had a really cool um, who won the year in film. So it's not not really directly mm. tied to the Oscars, but it was sure. like, you know, one of their ones was like difficult marriages. <laughs> of the year right? uh <laughs> movies about teachers like it was a fun it was a fun kind of a fun um year in review type approach so my point is that they ryan mcquay was talking about how oppenheimer is walking in the door oscar sunday with five wins at least oh so it's like and like that's not a crazy take according no. to most like that's that's sort of the temperature is like it could sweep a lot of technical categories plus director plus 
probably picture. So, you know, it's it's the, the train is moving. But I feel like I also get nervous at this point in the season because this is primed for a like, whoops, we thought Power of the Dog was winning everything. Right. And then look where Coda came and snuck in. So. Yeah. And I think there is, you know, to the degree there's backlash, like the backlash is happening. Like, I feel like there wasn't really too strong a a negative kind of reaction when Oppenheimer came out and it was, you know, very successful. Unfortunately, I think a lot of negativity went towards Barbie. Like people were focused on that. Uh, and now that Oppenheimer is really in center stage, I feel like I'm seeing more people be like, are we sure this movie was good? Like, I don't know, like it's too long or the last, how the last act doesn't matter. Or, you know, this is just another celebration of, you know, like one man doing, doing something and, you know, whatever. And of course these women didn't get nominated, um, you know, even though they did, but not for the things, not for the things they could have also Mm -hmm. been nominated. And so like, I think that there it's, it is possible. There could be, you know, some actual backlash. There also could be, well, I liked that, but like that's going to win. So let me throw a vote for this other thing, which I think that's the power of the dog coda situation. Uh, another instance, yeah, where, right. where there was the split. The um, main difference, though, is that I think power of the dog was a little bit more polarizing than Oppenheimer. Like people, because we have to think about the preferential ballot, which if you are not super steeped in Oscars rules like we are best picture is different it's not just like whoever gets the most votes it is a ranked ballot where everyone has to rank all of the best picture nominees and it's like this crazy system where it's like if if one of the if the number one choice doesn't get more than 50 percent of the votes then they consider the the next tier and so then you have to start thinking about okay like what is number what is everybody's number two and number three because that could easily overtake a more polarizing number one pick, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, and uh, to clarify, because I actually like, I like rank choice voting. Like, I was like, can we rank choice vote in like the real world? Like for things that matter, no offense <laughs> to the Oscars. Like, it'd be great to do that in, you know, ele- actual elections. But yeah, it's like the, the they, you know, they add up every all the scores. And because it's 10 movies, presumably no one gets to 50%. Maybe there'd be some landslide here where that could happen. But it's a, when it doesn't, then whatever movie's in 10th place is eliminated. And so anyone who had that as their number one movie, then their number two movie gets counted as that. Oh, that's and right. So, and so it sort of starts to slide down and, you know, they never release the results and we don't see the actual tallies. But, you know, the presumption is just based on raw, you know, the, thinking through how many opinions are out there you know there's probably three or four maybe more movies that get eliminated and so then we might be down to someone's fifth choice if that's oppenheimer that gets added to the oppenheimer total if it's you know poor things it goes to poor things or you know whatever whatever it might be right so so i think with oppenheimer in particular unless there's some massive massive like um campaign backlash campaign about something specific about it, I don't feel like people are putting that below number five. You know what I mean? Right. Most people, even if they were kind of just met on it, are still acknowledging either as a technical achievement or whatever that it like, they're like, even if I didn't love this movie like everybody else, it was still good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone's going to be like, this is the worst. I don't get what people are saying. Right. Like something like Power of the Dog, which probably had a solid number of people that were like, I do not like this. Yeah. Um, And, uh, 
you know, there were there were people quoted uh, in the in the run up saying that. Um, and yeah, there's there's folks who just didn't like it, and so they would have ranked it really low, never would have gotten to them in the in the preferential ballot. Uh, so, you know, even if the, you know, looking at the raw numbers, the most number of people may have voted for that number one, a movie like Coda that is like, oh, that's nice. Like a bunch of people might've put that in third. (laughs) And then when it got to those people that suddenly, you know, creates this, this wave that pushes Coda further up. Um, you know, and so it feels, but it feels like, yeah, there's other movies. I think Killers of the Flower Moon is likely more in that power of the dog role of some people are just like, no. Didn't mm-hmm. like it for a variety of reasons. That's going to be my ninth or tenth movie this year. Um, whereas, yeah, it, it is interesting. I, I think that's a good point. I don't know how many people would be like Oppenheimer, like ninth in, on right. a on a rank choice, unless they were like who Oppenheimer doesn't need my vote. Uh, you know, whatever. Again, there are people who are more, more and more people are saying like they're they're yeah. eh on on Oppenheimer. Uh, I haven't seen any. Oscar voter uh, exposés, you know, the sort of the, the right, yeah, people sharing their ballots, um, which are which are always great and a great reminder that Hollywood is not the progressive bastion that uh, folks like to think it is. Uh, when you get to individual voters who want to talk about it, it's usually just like, I don't like the people who look like this. Um, there's always something weird mixed in. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I would think that it wouldn't hurt Oppenheimer. Like those third and fourth place votes I think it will get a decent number of those uh, and will also be a pretty, you know, predominant uh, choice up top mm-hmm. to begin with. Uh, but, you know, again, who knows? We don't know. Uh, it's uh, so, but I think uh, to bring it all the way back around, like you said, DGA awards for director is such a good bellwether, you know, since 2000, uh, I may have been, you know, double checking this while some, some of the time you were talking. Um, there's only been three times since 2000 that they haven't lined up. Oh, wow. uh, in the 23 years. And it was um, uh, uh, Ang Lee won it for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, the year that Soderbergh won for Traffic. It was nominated against himself. Um, so I, in a weird way, it's like almost like did the GGA help people realize, oh, we're, we're canceling out votes. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Ben Affleck for Argo, who was uh, famously not nominated at the Oscars, so he couldn't have won. Uh, and then Sam Mendes for 1917, who lost to Bong Joon-ho uh, in, in Parasite. So, you know, it, it's it's not impossible, but considering how many times Nolan has won, considering the wider narrative of he's overdue uh, and that this, you know, the, this he's the star of the movie in many ways. That was, um, <laughs> this is a great moment where I'm like, was this something I heard on the big picture? Or was this something I heard when I was talking to you, Jen? Did you say this? Um, so take it as for, a compliment. For, yeah, I was going to say, that's probably one of the nicest things you could ever say to me. That's great. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, but there's someone saying like, oh, like what's happening with Killian Murphy? Why is he, uh, you know, not in the, in the, maybe not the front runner anymore for best actor. And someone said the star of Oppenheimer is Christopher Nolan. Yeah. So, you know, he's like the star of that movie is the filmmaker he's getting director, um, which means, and you know, and the uh, Downey Jr. is still the presumed front runner for supporting actor, which is maybe why there's a little window opening for um, Killian Murphy to not win best actor, which, you know, on the one hand would be, that's a bummer because Killian Murphy was amazing in that movie, but also Paul Giamatti was great in the holdovers. So that's fine. Christopher Nolan's acceptance speech did seem conscientious of the state of his 
best act Killian Murphy's best actor campaign because mm. and granted like the way that this seems set up and grant you know caveat is I watched grainy videos iPhone videos <laughs> of this on the internet so nice. I didn't quite catch everything but it seemed like the way that they had it set up was that the the leading actors from each film were the ones presenting the nominating awards so the DGA is a little interesting uh. where like every director that's nominated for best feature gets like basically the equivalent of an acceptance speech just for being nominated and then they mm. reveal the winner at the very end so it was interesting because they had mark ruffalo and emma stone doing a funny presenter bit for yorgos uh, before he came up and then um killian murphy was was the one um introducing nolan before they revealed that he won it was just sort of his like for being nominated that i watched and i didn't i don't think anyone posted his actual acceptance like what after he one one <laughs> but right um but killing the the first thing that christopher nolan said and again i i set up that context because it's seems pretty easy when you get up on stage after an actor in your movie hands you an award to be like aren't they great <laughs> right so there's a little <laughs> bit of that that's just built into it is what i'm sort of saying right but the what he he was saying such nice things about killian murphy and how he's like an actor of our generation and he's been working so like the things he was saying definitely were like don't you want to give this guy an oscar <laughs> don't, don't um, you think he also was important for this right. movie yeah so i don't know but i i do appreciate the the vibe that you were watching like a found footage horror movie but it was the dga awards yes shout out to clayton davis uh of variety <laughs> he was he was doing and i think what happened was he probably got too busy and or was enjoying himself too much and then stopped posting videos. Um, but I really appreciated that he, he managed to get a bunch out there um, for me to watch. So, yeah. So the other the other winner that's uh, sort of worth talking about in terms of, I mean, we're glad that they got an award and also potentially a boost for the Oscar race. Um Oh, well, it's not. Wait, I forgot because she was not wasn't for nominated. director because she but, wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Just, but let's just, talk just about disgraceful. it. Uh, is that Celine Song won for? Uh, oh no, it's, it's best first feature. Is that the? Um, that sounds right. I mean, it's uh, essentially first. Yes, time the director. Michael the Michael Apted Award for outstanding directorial achievement in first time theatrical feature film. Um, and so Celine Song won for Past Lives, beating out Cord Jefferson for American Fiction. Uh, A.V. Rockwell for My Beloved, 1001, um, and then two other people I don't really know. Uh, Manuela Martelli for Chile, 76, and Nora Niasari for Shida. Um, I started reading those names and I had to keep going. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, but that's, uh, you know, a, again, a, a nice recognition. I, I was thinking, oh, like, and then, like, could she be an outside contender? Totally forgetting she didn't get nominated, even though... Of course, she should have. Yeah. Um, There's only director. room for one female director. Uh, apparently so, and and everyone should should, should take it and like it. Um, but uh, her getting an award, maybe that's a little bit of a boost in original screenplay, which is where she is nominated in uh, in the in the Academy Awards. So um, you know, but and regardless of how it might impact the Oscars, like great, like good, good for Celine Song, good for Past Lives to get. Uh, another another piece of silverware in the in the trophy chest because that's uh, that's a great movie and um, letters I'm winner Celine Song right yes letters uh, we... uh, overwhelming letters winner uh, past lives which took um, took home 
three or four awards uh, at the letters. I think so. We gave so we, we gave her director right. We gave her it was director of picture, supporting actor, and I think screenplay. I, oh no, we didn't do screenplays. We kind of rushed screenplays. Yeah, but we did. Um, no, because remember we sort of we we split really quickly. Uh, said Killers of Flower Moon for adapted and. Anatomy of a Anatomy Fall. Anatomy of a Fall for, for original. But I for, I keep I knew it was four because we we split actress for Sandra Hewler and Greta Lee. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. So it's you know, a tie. It's a tie. Uh, exactly. But yeah, I'm saying my point is that we we were there first. DGAs. Uh, yeah, I mean, in many ways, uh, m- m- many people are saying the DGAs listened to the letters and were like, "Oh, we should we should <laughs> contact Michael Apted's." Um, uh estate and make sure we have an award to give uh otherwise everyone will be asking so i obviously i was super happy to see this um and it really is well deserved because i think just remembering the critical the critics reacting to past lives when it premiered being like holy moly this is like first time directing and she was a playwright before she wasn't even trying to be a director before (laughs) right so people i think i remember people being so blown away that this was her first film never mind like her first feature film in terms of the oscar race you're right this doesn't necessarily have any bearing on director because she wasn't nominated but the fact to me that the that she beat out core jefferson could potentially mean something for screenplay Mm mm-hmm like, does this mean that past lives is stronger than American fiction overall? Actually might nudge it a little bit further ahead in screenplay, um, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of Court Jefferson. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think if Court Jefferson, so if like, right. I feel like if Court Jefferson had won this, I'd been like, oh, maybe American fiction has a shot in adapted, which it doesn't really. But like, <laughs> but but I think in original is, is a much more open field at this point. Well, yeah, and it, it, you know the the last movie, uh, which I didn't even mention, as the is this movie actually you know getting the momentum was Anatomy of a Fall, and I think people like like again following the lead of the letters were like, well, we should give maybe that's just original screenplay and that's done and locked up, but maybe yeah, Past Lives is gonna sneak in and and the holdovers is hanging out too, and I think there's also the possibility folks are, like there's the May December heads are like. We gotta, we gotta get something. This is the only place we can do it. <laughs> that's true. Um, and and maybe they, uh, you know, concentrate there. So yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a pretty open ended category right now. Yeah, agreed. I but think this is a boost. This is a boost for past. It time. is a potential boost, but it's also on the flip side. People could be like, oh, at least she got this, right? right. And then and then they feel absolved of <laughs> of trying to vote for it and anything else at the Oscars. So I don't know. It could, it could kind of cut either way. But regardless, happy to see this win. Um, and then the other one that sort of was an interesting indicator potentially for Oscars momentum is the director of the one of the documentary feature nominees. PT, do you want to? Oh, because I because I because you because you figured I'm out how so to pronounce proud. the director's name. I'm just so proud. Yes, it's well, uh, the, the it's the documentary Twenty Days in uh, Mariupol. Um, which the city name, I did not double check how to pronounce. So that could be wrong. Um, but it's. Uh, that's what all the other that? critics seem to be saying. Okay. Not that that means it's right, but that's at least we have company. Okay. Yeah. We, all, all, all of our Western ignorance can be uh, you know, contained into that pronunciation. So that's good. Uh, and the director is uh, Mstislav Chernov, uh, who uh, there's just, there's just a lot of vowels uh, in there. So uh, that, but that's Mstislav Chernov is my understanding of how you should pronounce it based on 
likely AI generated Google uh, YouTube videos of how to pronounce it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that movie was already like a the clear front runner. I could be wrong. I haven't been like fully locked in on that, but I've kind of feel in the same way that like Navalny last year, mm-hmm. it is that like, here's the current events thing that's going on and, you know, Putin and Russia and Ukraine, like that conflict, that's, that's ob- you know, obviously very important and still happening and is uh, a little less uh, confusing within the voting body in the way that perhaps the other major international conflict right now is, but it, right. between Israel and Gaza, where there's no movies that are saying that, but you know, there's, there's obviously, I think it's stronger divides. There, there's, there's more uh, balanced uh, perspectives. Um, and I don't necessarily mean that in a good way, um, but you know, there's more people who are, who have opinions uh, in different directions uh, as opposed to mm-hmm. like, yep. Like Ukraine's getting a raw deal. This isn't good. You know, folks are pretty comfortable uh, with that as the, uh, as the go-to, not everybody in uh, in America, but I think most people, uh, and certainly most people in the academy. So, uh, so I think that was has been the front runner for a while, and it getting the DGA documentary award for the director uh, only only you know carries it further further forward towards victory. All right. So I think the last thing I'll say before we move on to the Super Bowl is that even though I watched this piecemeal in like little iPhone clips. On the on Instagram, uh, I it made me wistful because I was like I would totally watch this whole thing if it were televised, um, and it actually seemed a little bit better than say like the Globes um, in terms of a a, a presentation uh, because one Judd Apatow or Judd Apatow, I guess is how you probably pronounce it. Um, was the host and his monologue. I, I think the the video I watched wasn't co- complete of his monologue, but it was so funny. And he ha- and he did the thing that we were talking about. I know that if you if you see news articles about him, the headline I think is typically that he his monologue was political. Um, that he kind of made jabs at at the presidential election that's coming up and and stuff like that and and got political but <laughs> he made all of these like just like nerdy movie lover jokes that I was like this kills I I like <laughs> why don't all the hosts do this um like it, Martin Scorsese in particular was just like losing his mind it was he was so entertained um and a lot of the jo- and laughing at the jokes about him so like there was one that was like um and again, the sound was off, so I was like, I think they were talking about how he got a Lifetime Achievement Award, and then they listed, like, five other films that are really good, and he was like, that was given a little prematurely. Um, and then he was like, and all those movies were made after he quit doing cocaine. Can you imagine what, like, what we'd be getting if that weren't the case? Or so, You know, it was, it was, and then, yeah, and it was really, just all the jokes seemed, like, in enough that even if they were poking fun at people, everyone was into it. Um, and so, yeah, I was I was really appreciative of of that. And and so, if you could find a video of that on the internet, I would go, I would go check <laughs> check it out. Um, and also, Greta Gerwig came away, I think, very well because her nominate like I I'm nominated speech when she got to when it was her turn to go up. Um, Ryan Gosling introduced her, 
And she basically did the like, I'm I'm nominated with all my heroes thing. But it was so good. It was like, you know what I mean? Like it was like, oh, she gets all these people. Like she, <laughs> um, especially when she got to Scorsese. Scorsese had a much longer list of accolades, where, and she got so specific about like certain cinematic techniques that he has and stuff like that. So it was like, it was really nice because it was like, you know, we got from Barbie that sh- there were some deep cuts, deep, like film nerd jokes in there, and I feel like this corroborated that. That like she's, and she even said it. She was like, I wanted to become a director because I love movies and and so that's that is what inspires me is like a love of of movies which seems cliched and obvious but like yeah with the benefit of her being a, a performer in addition to a director so oh, that's true she can she could probably she can deliver deliver it better um even you know I mean and the cliche is is a cliche because it's frequently true mm-hmm. um well that's good maybe that will help her uh, campaign for best director as well at the Oscars but again uh like like celine song maybe in screenplay maybe that's uh you know that's that's the space where she could be rewarded i don't think that's you know again not likely um because oppenheimer might be just marching all the way through but uh you know that's that's good i'm glad i'm glad that that happened and i'm glad people got to see it who were there in the room there's always a part of me that's like, maybe, you know, we don't need all these ceremonies televised. Like the more to make the transition into the Super Bowl, uh, the, you know, I remember feeling like you will go to watch the Super Bowl like 15 years ago, maybe, maybe even you know more recently than that. And it would be like, oh, like, you know, th- there's some talk there's going to be like, there's going to be a new Doritos commercial. Like it's supposed to be funny. Like who knows? Whereas now I feel like for the last decade or so, it's just been like, the week before is like, here are all the commercials. Like, this is what they're going to be. Or like, here's a teaser for the commercial, but you're going to know, like, it's a Breaking Bad thing. Or like, you know, there's a bit with Arnold Schwarzenegger or there's a bit mm-hmm. with Christopher Walken. And you're like, oh, okay. And then it happens and you're like, yeah, I heard about that. And like, yeah, I saw that. And so that's <laughs> sometimes kind of what all the right, no shows feel about leading up to the Oscars where it's like, you know, you you can, we can do all of our things, but especially if like, with love uh, uh, and and full respect, uh, letters winner I believe Dave Enjoy Randolph uh, is just like not going to be a surprise when she wins. Right. And and if you've watched the preliminaries, you've probably seen a version of her speech five or six times. So like the idea of I wish there was a there were another ceremony I could watch to further spoil the uh, Oscars experience seems uh, you know against my instinct, but. It does sound like a very unique ceremony because there's only this handful of awards. Uh, I mean, there's only three feature films and then there's like, you know, four or five TV and I think an advertising one that, you know, no offense, they could not broadcast that. Um, But, you know, they they could probably get through all of that in, you know, an hour and a half or two hours. Um, So that could be cool. Uh, I, I like it. But then again, maybe the jokes were flowing in a entertaining way because it was like, Who's going to see this outside of obsessives who would look for bootleg internet videos from, yeah, that's, from the crowd? That, that's what I was thinking, too. I'm like, oh, may, the, maybe this is hitting so well for me because it is more of an it's like it's the audience is different. Right. It's not the general public that they're pitching the monologue to um, and mm-hmm. which, which they do at Golden Globes and Oscars um, to 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 my chagrin oftentimes. So, uh, 
I, yeah, I, I, I think we'll, we'll get to this. this maybe, maybe I'll save this for either a lead up to or even reaction to the Oscars this year. But like, I think, I think there's some sports parallels to like when you get to the playoffs or when you get to like a national broadcast, when they're just sort of like, hey, like, do you know the rules? Like, we're going to tell you about the rules. And it's like, yeah, like the people who watch this know the rules. Like, maybe you shouldn't like pitch it to the people who already are into it and let everyone else figure it out uh, and pick it up along the way instead of like trying to almost condescend to like right. new people. But then you're alienating the returning people. So, yeah, I think speaking like everyone already likes movies and knows a lot about movies probably would make more sense than trying to act like who watched all these movies they're long like that's not like really the vibe to set when you're you know going to spend three and a half hours watching people give each other trophies about this 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 stuff yeah for sure and yeah now now i'm just trying to remember other judd apatow jokes they were so good um he he had one where he was like, and when AI writes, and he like mashed a bunch of genres together, but they were so specific to like <laughs> things that are very popular that it was it was it was really well done. Um, That's funny. So yeah, it's making me want to go back and watch it now. Um, but yeah, okay. So I think we did we did a good job with DGA Awards. I think so. Now on to the Super Bowl, and to kind of pick up on your transition, I would also say that that the people who are supposed to be benefiting from oh here are the rules if you've missed it are they're in the other room getting a snack you know like it's not right. like, like right. they're, um, they're taking a break between commercials commercials like yeah not, exactly so, so um, yeah uh but obviously you know the past few super bowls i feel like i've really been like oh god which i wonder what movie trailers are gonna drop during this pt did you feel like they this delivered were there were there good ones um, you know, I, I I don't think that there was nothing that I was like, oh my God, like, yes, finally. Um, but I think that there's, you know, there are a couple caveats on that, which is, as I was mentioning earlier about, you know, the regular commercials, this, there's a degree of, because I'm just like keeping my radar out on movie news anyway, it was like, these things are happening. So I'm glad I saw it, but I wasn't like surprised mm. in the way that you're talking about like, ooh, what's coming. Um, there, uh, were a couple of things that I've seen trailers for in the theater, like really recently that I was excited when I saw that trailer. And if I hadn't seen the trailer, I would have been really excited for the commercial, but because I was like, yeah, I saw that, like I saw that in the theater. Um, but you know, again, sort of a privileged perspective of being able to go to the theater, um, more, uh, somewhat frequently. Um, and then, you know, there was a degree of like, my my nerdiness outside of my my movie fandom was like is there going to be like a new star wars tv show and there was not so i was let down there um that the don't worry folks there's going to be plenty of star wars tv shows but there's no commercial for a star wars tv right. show during the super bowl um but uh, uh i think you were trying to set me up to start listing uh the the, the first one but i didn't take it so i'll throw it back to you w was there anything that really excited you um that you want to start with yeah, I think the the main one, because I'm still, unlike many other people, hanging on and staying loyal to Marvel, uh, was the Deadpool 3 trailer, which has now been renamed Deadpool and Wolverine, which was news to me. So I think I'm less, I was less tapped into the telegraphing of what was going to be during the Super Bowl. 
And so I was just like, oh, that's right. Yeah, Deadpool 3, let's go. And um, I think that one definitely didn't disappoint. I was very excited about that. And got to the point where I was like, could this save Marvel? And there's a joke about that in the trailer. So like, <laughs> jokes on me, I guess. <laughs> really? You know, um, and what I mean is that there's a point at which, uh, because Deadpool breaks the fourth wall all the time, if you're not aware. But there's a line where he was he's like, I'm Marvel Jesus. Like, I could save the MCU, essentially. And I was like, maybe this movie could save the MCU because, like, it looks really fun. And it looks like the perfect opportunity for Marvel to be, like, making fun of itself in a way that kind of semi-absolves it of the flops that they've had in the past year. You know what I mean? Yes. And uh, decisions that didn't seem bad at the time that now right. are a problem, i.e. the big bad villain Kang the Conqueror being played by an actor who... Uh, is no longer associated with uh, Marvel and no longer playing the role because of his uh, problems with violence and and legal issues related to that. So, uh, so yeah, I, 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 this is the one that's the most memorable to me. Um, it's also interesting that it was the one that wasn't really fully aired during the Super Bowl. It was a I teaser was for the uh, to go to the online and watch it and. Like, like a good little uh, minion I did. And I went, I was like, yep, let me go. Like during, a, you know, some sort of like second down, like they're going to run the ball. It's going to go three yards. Nothing's going to happen. Uh, I can, and they're going to talk for a little while. I can spend two and a half minutes watching this trailer. I, I, I did have a good time as someone who is a little over Marvel. And, you know, when I'm not watching uh, a Deadpool movie, I'm like, ah, the shtick is a little old. I don't know. Like, Whatever, but then I'm always enjoying it. Like when I have watched the dead, the two Deadpool movies, I'm just like, yeah, I'm having a good time. There's something very um, '90s about that mm. level of meta commentary and fourth wall breaking that you know comes from Deadpool. I believe that at least that version of the comic book character mm -hmm. was like late '80s through the '90s, uh, and and you know, there I don't know. There's something that still sort of warms my little indie '90s heart. Uh, that yeah, all those all those movies from uh, from then your your Charlie Kaufman, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson type um, self referential ways of advancing through stories taken to an extreme degree. Um, but I didn't think this would happen. There were uh, uh, you know it's sort of set set up around the TVA, which is the Time Variance Authority uh, thing in Loki uh, agency that exists. Uh, that can kind of, you know, deals with different timelines and culling people who uh, are have spun off in different branches, which seems like a great way to bring a character that was in some standalone movies into the MCU. And because it's Deadpool, of course, he also is referring to, I'm now in the cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. I'm Marvel. I'm Marvel Jesus. I'm going to save this whole franchise. Uh very funny. Um, and so, uh, you know, like that's interesting. And I, you know, the, the degree to which even just in the trailer, it's tying into some of the more positive things of Marvel from the last few years uh, is, is certainly intriguing. And to be honest, that was the part I was most surprised by, because I think my understanding of the past Deadpool movies is they're mostly their own thing, right? Like, yes, they might make jokes that break the fourth wall and be kind of meta, but at the end of the day, the story is pretty much kind of like self-contained 
from what I remember. You it know was what I mean? technically in the same world as the Singer X Men movies. Okay, because he Which goes to the Xavier's whatever he they goes to the academy. And there's right. one time when he opens the door and a bunch of the X-Men actors are are just silent behind a door and hope he doesn't that he doesn't see them. <laughs> and he doesn't. And so he closes that's the right. door, uh, which is a great joke. But I think that's the only connection that has existed. Right, is, right. So the fact that, that this is very clearly connecting it to the the Disney Plus Marvel shows, I was like, oh, like, and I, I when Loki was airing, I was often wondering, oh, this conceit of the TVA and the multiverse and sort of like it, there's a lot of potential for it to be useful. And I kept waiting for the payoff and I assumed that would be in the multiverse of madness. And now I'm getting a down far to two down a rabbit hole for Marvel, but like, uh, so I'll try to bring us back. But like, like I had already kind of like dismissed that as an idea that the TVA would be this like rejoinder series that could kind of like open up the, the multiverse and stuff like that. And then like, you know, really, cinch the the, the the sort of current saga that we're in and stuff like that not that anyone cares about that anymore so then i was like oh it's here the tv is here and it's like using the same effects like the the time door looks exactly the same the the like vintage looking tv is still the same uh matthew mcfadden from succession i don't think is the same i was like why is he here <laughs> because he's but he's great like what a great choice yes he is great and i was like oh he's gonna be fun like that looks really funny uh the thing i was most excited about though and i think that the trailer did the best job with even though it's been well documented that hugh jackman as wolverine is going to be in this movie like he's been in videos with ryan reynolds like on the internet like you know what i mean like there's a whole social media campaign about them bantering with each other about this movie and stuff like that so I think while it was not a surprise, the trailer still had a lot of restraint in terms of that, you know, we never actually see Hugh Jackman um, and just the way that like Wolverine's silhouette literally overshadows Deadpool's and then we see the claws come out. I was just like, this is the best. I'm so excited for this now. So I think as a trailer, it made a lot of smart choices is my point. Yes, uh, I agree. I agree. I think this was the most this is the most effective one. Of something that to me was brand new. Uh, the movie that was advertised, uh, I'm, I'm making a pivot. If you want to keep talking about, say anything else about Deadpool and Wolverine, you can stop me. Um, but my the movie that I'm most excited about uh, that, that there was a commercial for that I saw during the game is Monkey Man, which is, I saw the trailer for it before uh, a, 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 you know, a re-release screening of Dune the other night. Uh, and I had, was not aware of it. I had not heard of it. Uh, it is produced by Jordan Peele, co-written and directed and starring Dev Patel. And it's basically South Asian John Wick. And like, just like Dev Patel looks mad uh, and wants revenge and is going to beat people up for it. And that is amazing. It looks incredible. That's how, how did I miss this is now my reaction. I did not see this at all. It was late. It showed up late in the game. I feel oh, like, okay. I feel like, if if the intro it was what, what there was my uh unsolicited uh sports analysis of uh, a game that i only barely cared about was the game was pretty kind of boring and there was a lot of defense which defense isn't always boring but if you don't really care about the teams you're just like no one's scoring whatever for a little <laughs> while and then the like fourth quarter people start they started scoring again and then it was like who are they gonna tie what's gonna happen they went to overtime going a little back and forth. Um, and I think that like, there may have been a, a pivot 
in for a lot of people from I'm going to be paying attention to the commercials and then zone out during the game because nothing's exciting in the game to getting wrapped up in the game. And then when the commercials come being like, now I'm going to get another drink. I'm going to get a snack. I'm going to, you know, look at something that's not my TV. I'm going to look at my little screen instead of my big screen um, or whatever. So I think that maybe this, this could have been slept on, but uh, it's, I mean, the trailer in the, yeah, the, the full like you know two and a half uh, minute trailer in the theater got me more excited than the commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, like the, the 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 pitch is the pitch. It's it's Dev Patel as, yeah, that as, sounds as, amazing. in a John Wick movie, and it, it looks he looks great. As soon as uh, we stop recording, I'm going to go watch this trailer. Great, you should. Uh, and uh, I'm I'm excited for it. And I was very I was glad having again just seen this on friday night and being like what the i hadn't heard about this like this is this sounds so good and uh then it getting this big boost uh in a super bowl commercial even if it's late in the game and maybe people might have missed it it's going to be on the list of things that were uh were advertised during the game so so the next one is a very different film but i think this had the most oh, this actually looks good effect on me. And that is Wicked, um, which is based on a Broadway musical about, it's based on the the witches from The Wizard of Oz, let's say it that way. And uh, I, I really enjoy this musical. I love the music from it. And plus it is directed by John Chu, who brought us Crazy Rich Asians. And after that, and more kind of relevant to the genre, um, In the Heights. Uh, so... Which I really liked and I thought was like mostly underrated as a movie musical. Uh, so so this was really exciting to me because I knew that this was happening, but I had sort of written it off, sort of forgotten about it, being like, okay, whatever. And this sort of brought me, sucked me back in to be like, wow, this actually looks really good. The casting is Cynthia Revo and Ariana Grande. Which again, in particular, Ariana Grande was like, has Ariana Grande been in movies? Uh, I don't think so. So that's interesting. But, you know, I was totally convinced and sucked in. And the effects in this and like the production design, everything looked really good. My only beef is that they didn't let anybody sing in this trailer. (laughs) And this is a thing that has been happening. It happened with Wonka. And then everyone was like, oh, Wonka looks weird. It happened with the color purple. And then like apparently after Christmas Day, nobody saw the color purple. So like. Let musicals be musicals. This is my platform for 2024. <laughs> I, I was wondering, I was like, are they going, are, are they really going to hold back? Because there were a few music swells that felt like it could have led to singing or at least montages of people singing. But like, yeah, like that, like Mean Girls, the the re, the musical um, uh, redo of Mean Girls was the the other big one I, I recall. That, that was hiding the fact it was a musical. It would, she was showing things that looked choreographed, but not to such a degree that unless you knew you would be like, this must be, this must be a musical. But like, this is a very famous Broadway musical that I think won a lot of Tonys and ran on Broadway a long time, may still be running. I'm not certain of that. Uh, so you would think that they would want to be like, Hey, why, why not come check out this big musical? The other thing uh, I, I'm besides that, I generally agree with you because I was sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm not as big into musicals as you are. Um, I always liked the idea of Wicked, like when it was a book and then it became a, a movie of like, oh, yeah, like that. I feel like that was that came out before we felt kind of inundated with what if we 
heard about the the bad character's perspective, the bad guy, right. uh, and 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 learn why they're actually human, which maybe we've done a few too many times, but it was at the forefront of that. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I like that. Uh, and so I've always been interested. Uh, and, uh, you know, there is some degree of whenever we, there's been a movie that's like, it's another thing set in Oz. It's like, why am I not watching just The Wizard of Oz? Like, what what do you have that convinces me to not watch the classic movie that we know is great? Um, but this did look really good. Jeff this Goldblum. It's a film snob answer, first of all. It is. But continue. It, uh, it is. It's also it's also a bad tendency I have in general of like why would I do this thing? Why would I do X thing when there's a something similar that's Y thing that I already like, which is yes, not a really a good reason because there's lots of things that you like that are like things you've already liked. And I mean, you do the new thing. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, this happened to me with Mary Poppins Returns. Despite my love of Lim Manuel Miranda and Emily Blunt, I was just like I could just go watch Mary Poppins. So I totally get where you're coming from. Right, but it, it, I'm 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 admitting it's a it's a tendency I have in uh, lots of different things that I need to be careful about of like because it's you can get box you in into not trying mm-hmm. something new. Um, anyway, I you know it looked good. It was like this looks good. This looks fun. Um, I was noting. Uh, there's no they're they're hiding the music that's fun they're so, also hiding that this is a part one this is a two-part movie and so similar to having just again uh, uh my, you know my whole life is now just centered around having saw saw uh having gone to see dune again um uh, it's a that, great place to be it is uh, look i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie uh that movie's incredible uh we should have had a podcast when dune came i started out, so watching could've... the david lynch one the other um day. I yeah I also watched that one uh, you know in the time after seeing uh, the you know this one the the, the Villeneuve one and um, yeah it, it's trying we definitely trying need stuff. to do a Dune two prep episode yeah back, back to Arrakis all things do mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yes uh, agreed uh, that's good motivation for me to get back into the books as well anyway you know Dune came out and it was called Dune and then you went to the movie and the the title card comes up and it says Dune Part One. And people were like, what? Uh, and then the movie ended with like one of the last lines is this is only the beginning. And then and you've been there for two hours and 40 minutes. You're like, and, what? And everyone's like, oh, God. OK. <laughs> uh, and, you know, th- this also Across the Spider-Verse created a similar thing where they announced it as it's going to be Across the Spider-Verse part one. Then it came out without part one. I get it. Dead Reckoning part one came out and people were like, boo, we don't like that. And so they've dropped the part one. But like, I feel like people are going to go into Wicked probably not knowing unless they give more information more explicitly. And like, that's going to hurt the movie because people are going to be bummed that it's not a complete story. Yeah. Like, I think it's going to end when The Wizard of Oz starts. And then like, people will either be like, oh, this is supposed to link now I just go watch The Wizard of Oz. And I think they're like, no, 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 there's another two-hour movie that you're going to come back to. <laughs> That's the second act of the play. Um, you know, it, this is basically intermission. Um, but anyway, all that to say that the, the commercial looked great. Yeah, I'm really curious what they're going to call the second movie. Because the isn't the move, <clears throat> if you're just calling this one Wicked, isn't the move to just call the next one something else? And then it's like assumed that they're both two halves of the same you know what i mean well based on but, one of the other movies that we got a commercial for during the super bowl it would just be called wickeds just put an <laughs> s just put an s at the end like uh, and dramatic like, dramatically reveal it wicked 
and then it's just like a sizzling, like like a green finger just draws. Or it's it, like just... it's like a lightning bolt s like z- like like. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, that's what you need to do. Um, uh, the movie I'm referencing there is, of course, the uh, a new entry in a longstanding franchise, uh, Twisters, uh, which is a sequel to the 1996 movie Twister. Um, it's not, that was, uh, facetious. It's not a longstanding franchise. It's just a movie. They've, they've tapped out of movies from the eighties. They can do legacy sequels too. And we're starting to go into the nineties. Uh, and, and it's, it's time. It's time for Twister. Apparently it's, it's Glenn Powell and a few other people and they're, they're chasing Twisters, but there's two of them. There's two of them now. So... (laughs) So to, to, we have to acknowledge the internet is very excited about this movie. I don't sure. know if you've seen like lots of people are very excited about this. They're like, let's go like this, you know, and I'm not unopposed. I'm not, I'm not opposed to this movie at all, but I, was I asking for this movie? No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, what, If you told me, you know, it's, it's Glenn Powell. Uh, it's, it's Daisy Edgar Jones, who I don't, really no apologies uh anthony anthony ramos uh kieran shipka maura tierney in a lee isaac chung uh directed movie i would be like that sounds great the fact that it's a sequel to twister i'm just like why like what is happening (laughs) Uh, but you know who knows uh maybe the internet's right this time and it's it's going to be really good and i have to say though and granted it's been a minute since i've seen the original twister Although I will say, like, I don't know if this is true for you because you're a little bit older, but Twister was like a pretty big deal, like a formative movie in terms of just like disaster movie thriller when I was growing up. So, yeah. Uh, And uh, this is maybe speaking to the the five year gap between us, because that's the first movie I remember. I wouldn't say the first one I remember doing this, but I I distinctly remember going to see it and sitting in the theater being like, this is not good. Like I am not enjoying myself. Uh, And then there would be like some special effects things and it would be, you know, kind of fun. But yeah, I, I do. I think that I'm just like, I'm just on that cusp of, I was too old. Like I was Mm -hmm. in my mid to late teens. I was 17, I think when this came out. Um, And so I was just kind of like, whatever. Like this is stupid. You were too cool for it. (laughs) A little too cool for it. And so, you know, it's, it's like all the people that, you know, hold Shrek in very like strong, uh, like to be like, actually, the first few Shrek movies are great, uh, and I'm just like, I I can't I can't be there with you. But I do have movies from like the early '90s where I'm like, this movie's incredible, and I could understand people being like, no, it, it's not. <laughs> so what I what I was gonna say is that it doesn't appear, unless I'm just not remembering the original Twister movie, it doesn't appear like there's actually that much continuity or relevance or like tying the story of this movie to the other one. It's just, it seems to me more like it's just hitting the, the high notes of what we're expecting from a Twister movie. You know what I mean? Like it's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page and it says it's a standalone sequel. And I don't know what that means in terms of, I think it means that Definition. nothing, no events of this movie are predicated on the last one, I th- which is the impression it, I got from the trailer. But it also says that the, the main female character is the daughter of Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. Oh, from the that just feels like we get a weathered for a shot of a weathered photograph of them, right? And then that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like to be like, oh, my mom and dad, whatever. Like, there's one and, scene, you and know. That's it. 
climate change, like the evolution of things. I'm I'm sure that like the idea of I mean they're drone chasers. They're drones in this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're, oh. they're, there's regular internet access nowadays, <laughs> right. so that would make it a different movie. Yeah, that's, um, that's fair. I do, um, I do want to note, having just said that I rolled my eyes at, at Twister, Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, Jamie Gertz, K- Carrie Elwes, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, Alan Ruck, Todd Field, and Jeremy Davis. Are don't, the, I don't know what you're just, on about. I remember this movie being great, good. I, it wasn't good, but it was, it was, was a, a great cast, uh, and there was a <laughs> flying cow. And you knew the bad guys were bad guys because they drove big black cars. That was the big thing I remembered was that the good guys had like these like ragtag collection. It was very right. like Rebel Alliance and Galactic Empire. Um, and it's like, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. The, these guys are the bad guys. Cool. <laughs> but again, I was 17. So, you know. Uh, okay. All that said, I will say from this trailer, the character that Glenn Powell is playing looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, he's just, it looks like he's really hamming it up and chewing on the scenery in in a way that I think could make this movie enjoyable. But yeah, I think like you know, if, if you think about it as just kind of like a fairly on the surface thriller, like this was the precursor to Sharknado, right? <laughs> in many so, ways. <laughs> so it's not uh, going to be like that. Is my point <laughs> right? Uh, fair, fair. It's it'll be a step above. Uh, and it's not it's not gonna be as bad as the pierce brosnan volcano movie which i don't remember the name of that one but uh that one was dante's peak not to be confused with volcano the volcano movie with tommy lee jones maybe we have to do a whole disaster movie episode i mean when when this movie comes out (laughs) i'm not i'm not against that uh because apparently i've seen a bunch and i don't remember that's always good um there was a minions trailer that i didn't know was a trailer until Agreed. Uh, until I looked at the list of what had been, uh, which I think just speaks to maybe both of us tuning out when the minions appear and just being like, cool, it's an ad for something that the minions are advertising. Well, because sometimes they're just there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're not, <laughs> they don't have to have a movie to just be around. Yeah. So, it's true. and I, the thing I was doing is because my, my kids have, they don't necessarily want to sit and watch all the Despicable Me, me movies. But they're big fans of the minions. Like anytime minions are just running around, they're like minions, haha. Like so, so I was trying to get their attention because they were they were not watching the Super Bowl, and I wanted to. I was just yelling minions across the room. <laughs> hey everybody, minions, minions! And then then my kid, they ran over, and by then it was over because this was a very short um, commercial. <laughs> uh, and I was like, sorry. I'm like they'll probably. They I'm like boo. they might be back later. Yeah. They were like, where are the minions? Um, but. This starts out as it looks like a like a YouTube think piece on AI. Yes. And then there are minions. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> and then I have questions like, is does that mean that this movie Despicable Me 4 is somehow about AI? Like, I didn't understand. I just didn't understand it. It's, a, it's actually uh, a, a linking sequel between Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning and Dead Reckoning Part 2. It It is about the entity... The minions are involved. That you know that Tom Cruise won't say anymore. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. I feel like he'd be game for that. The contractor, right? He'd be like, "I'll do a movie of like, possible yeah. cross- Despicable Me crossover." <laughs> yeah. What if What if the entity like was fighting Gru or whatever, like off on the side while while the 
um, you know, the, um, the minions are doing their team thing. Are, yeah. yeah. Is, is doing one thing. And then the minions and Gru are fighting it out in a different, a different, or the minions are actually the ones in the submarine the whole yes. time. Like, the- yes. um, yeah, like the, the, they have one of the, one of the key components, yeah. like they yes. have one of the cross keys and they're like, but no, 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 key. Yeah. Um, like they don't know it's a key and then oh yeah yeah and then, we yeah, should pay but, us to write this movie apparently and then they have to interact with a you know a, a not cgi live action tom cruise who will take it from them you know it worked for roger rabbit it could work here it's true i don't know um it's movie history tom get on board <laughs> i uh, mean he did tropic thunder and the and I was just watching like a TikTok video about this today. The only thing he he demanded was to have fat hands. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember this? And then yeah, he was like, "Okay, I'll do this part, but I gotta have fat hands and I gotta dance." And they're like, "Do do we need?" And he's like, "No, you're not hearing me. I gotta have fat hands and I gotta dance." And then they were like, "I guess you don't say no to Tom Cruise." So then <laughs> that's what happened in the movie. Uh, that's funny. That sounds similar. And this is, this is stopping us from making this a quick episode. So you can cut this, uh, if it's not relevant enough, but, uh, to, to speak to, um, the most affecting moment of Super Bowl commercials, not directly about a movie was one of the post, uh, Gronk, uh, tries to kick a field goal, uh, build up things, which I think was tied with one of the gambling sites that, uh, is surely not going to cause uh, massive social upheaval uh, as we as we weave gambling into uh, mainstream society. Uh, but he was like, "I'm going to kick a field goal, and if I, you know, you can bet on if I make it or don't." And it was like a free bet at one of the gambling sites. And like the commercials through the football season had been Carl Weathers coaching him on how to kick a football, and so you know he did it. Like it was a live thing he did at the start, right before the game started, and he missed it. And so they clearly had two commercials ready to go. And it you know, it was different people reacting as if they had gambled and lost money and you know, famous people. Um, and one of them was Carl Weathers, who, of course, passed away like a week or two ago, which uh, made me sad to see him. And they gave a little like tribute to him at the end, um, which, of course, completely undermined the humor of the commercial. But, you know, whatever. You got to do it. Um, anyway, your story reminded me of when Carl, uh, when they were writing Arrested Development, um, this came out in the wake of his death. I, I saw this. Um, uh, um, Mitch Hurwitz, I think, is the that was a showrunner, said they had come up with like a joke, or they, there'd been a throwaway joke that uh, to David Cross's character Tobias had gone to take a Carl Weathers course, but like didn't get in or whatever, like a season before. And then they were like, "Oh, wouldn't it be funny? We can bring Carl Weathers in and do, do this whole like Rocky spoof with like him training him like." like Rocky three. Uh, and then they called call Weathers. It was like, Carl, like it's rest of development. Like this is the show and we have this idea and you'd be working with David Cross, this comedian from, you know, these things you might've seen. And he was like, great. As long as it's not like a Rocky thing. Cause that's like played out <laughs> and boring. And the guy's like, Oh yeah, of course it wouldn't be like, no, like, I mean, what, what would it, what would you want it to be? Like, Quick, we got to go rewrite this joke. <laughs> what, but the, and then Carl Weathers was like, yeah, I mean, it just feels like we've, I've done so many Rocky things. Like, mm-hmm. I think it'd be funny if I was just really cheap. And they're like, what? It was like, what if I'm just, everything I do is to try to like cut corners and save money on anything. And like, wouldn't that be funny to think of like someone like me doing that, like that everyone knows. And he's like, yeah, I guess. And then like we went to the writers and they were like, that is kind of funny. And then there's like, that's how you got a stew going. That's what's like, in there. That's yeah. how we got there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's probably worth cutting. I, don't I do know. remember I when I originally aired thinking that was really random and I'm like, yeah. 
Apparently, yeah. Carl called it just like Tom Cruise called for the big hands uh, and the dancing. So we'll bring it back. Loop it up. That's all somehow about Despicable Me 4. Um, That's what all of that was about. (laughs) Somehow. Somehow Uh, somehow the minions returned. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I could talk about Kung Fu Fu Panda 4. Yeah. But I I also don't have to. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, similarly, like, I wasn't like particularly the other movie I was thinking referencing earlier was that, yeah, there's a commercial for a kingdom of the planet of the apes. That is a trailer that I have now seen probably a, like a dozen times. That's like one of the Alamo go-tos when I've gone to see old movies or new movies since the beginning of December, they've been playing the kingdom of the planet of the apes trailer. And there was some different stuff, but not that much different. So like, I don't know, seems fine. There's a degree to which, for me, I, I have an, maybe an outlier opinion. This is another one. Maybe we can discuss uh, another opening to to revisit uh, the the wider franchise. But those recent Planet of the Apes movies that started with the James Franco led one, um, so I, which I think was Dawn, uh, Rise, and then Dawn, and then War, uh, all of the Planet of the Apes. Um, uh, for me, it was diminishing returns. I think a lot of people liked the second and third one more. I like the first one more. Um, like I like that one and I liked that the second one was really good. And the third one, I was a little bit like, okay, like I'm a little burned out on these stories. So I'm not super pumped for let's jump ahead a generation and see what it's like. Uh, but you know, I'll probably still talk myself into seeing it. Like, I'll be like, well, I don't know. It's, it's apes. That, that should be fun. So this may need to be next year's mission impossible project because I have actually never seen any of these movies. That's, that's fine. I'm not as like committed to the idea that you will like all these movies like i was about mission people say they're good though they say they're like solid science fiction movies but yeah the so the original movie from like the late 60s is great it's very slow you know for now and the problem is it's all building up to something that you probably already know just from pop culture um but like when you watch it you're still like you can hopefully uh, everyone is somewhat able to do this of like, what if I didn't know? Like, you know, what if I, what if I watch the usual suspects and like, think about how I didn't know what the twist is going to be at the end. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like you can do that and be like, Oh, like, yeah, this must've really like packed a punch. Uh, And then then there's like four sequels in the rest of the sixties and the mid seventies that get progressively crazier spoilers the world ends at the end of like the second or third movie and then they're like we still want to make more so they have to like jump back in time but like everybody knows that it's all going to like the end of the world because it ended a few movies ago um and then there's the tim burton one which is bad uh and then there's this three that came out which i thought were pretty good and i think are sort of like how you know it's it's sort of you know, how did we get to where, where things are uh, in, in the original movie? So it, it's a little hard. Cause it's like, I don't know. I haven't watched the seventies ones in a long time. I don't know how many of those are good. I was mostly talking about the newer ones. Cause I feel like I those ones, people keep, when I, whenever I share that, I have not seen those people are like, Oh, but the new ones are actually really good. Like they're like, you should go see that. Like everyone always encourages me to go see the new ones. So mm. You should definitely watch the first, the Charlton Heston one, like the original one. Like that's, that's a worthy like movie in and of itself. Yeah. And then those three, I guess is probably, are probably worth it. We could do a, 
uh, a, a rewatch check-in. I guess we will, well, we can take the temperature on how we're feeling. Yeah. I mean, we, about, we might have other things going on. That's fine. Right, the podcast um, of the release of the movie of the kingdom of the planet of the apes. <laughs> um, yeah. The Dune, the Dune prep episode seems a lot more appealing than, than this, but I'm just saying if we, you know, I am, I am available to watch these binge, all these movies for the first time and react to them in the way okay. that I did the mission impossible ones. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And then the rest of the list sort of gets into trailers that we've seen in other contexts, like you were saying, either in the theater or just, you know, on the Internet. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, you, you know, so that's fine. I'm going to do a, a. Did you want to explain to me the Randall Park joke? Sure. The, so the... The... <laughs> uh, there there was a, a commercial for the movie If, uh, which is actually, you know, speaking of a. Uh, Roger Rabbit type situation is a very sort of live action mixed with CGI environment with uh, Ryle Reynolds uh, as a human and a child uh, actor who is also there. And uh, this is another movie where I've seen like a full trailer, um, but this, this movie didn't really get into exactly what happens, but it's all about imaginary friends. And I think Ryan Reynolds, like, works for like the organization that distributes imaginary friends, whatever, something like that, where like he knows all the imaginary friends and can see them. And they're all CGI characters like bouncing around. Uh, and the movie's written and directed by John Krasinski, uh, who, for those who may not know, played uh, the character of Jim on the American version of The Office. Um, that's where he rose to prominence. And one of the... Uh, I have no, I actually have no concept because I have not watched uh, this deep into the American version of The Office. Uh, that like one of the sort of a joke for a little while is Randall Park plays someone named Jim who just uh, at one point tries to just pretend he's Jim. Like they like they arrange it like as as a bit to like piss off uh, Dwight yeah, and maybe you know, confuse people um, where he just walks in and pretends like he's Jim and he's always been Jim, <laughs> um, but he's not Jim and he is of a different race and, you know, hilarity ensues. So the, the, the trailer joke was Randall Park or the, the commercial joke for the Super Bowl was Randall Park and Ryan Reynolds sitting like, hello and welcome to like this movie we worked on. And Randall Park's being like, as writer director, John Krasinski, I'm so excited uh, about what we're doing. And then Ryan Reynolds being like, you're not John Krasinski. And it's just referencing that thing from The Office. And it was very quick. It was only like 10 seconds. And then there was maybe like 10 seconds of clips from the movie. Uh, and yeah, I don't, you know, it, it looks like a movie that your kids will want to go see. So good luck. So <laughs> thanks. Um, I just remember when the initial teaser came out for this, lots of people were confused because they assumed it was a horror movie and not a children's movie. Yes, because... Uh, because John Krasinski, a quiet place was right. his his franchise, right? And and then they watched the trailer and they were like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> there's furry monsters and they look friendly. I'm like, what is happening right now? Um, so yeah, I still don't have my head quite wrapped around what this movie is. Is it just purely for kids, or is it trying to do something else? Like. My my guess is that it's it's like aiming for a Pixar, you know, Monsters Inc. Okay, sure. vibe. So like it could be for adults because you've got Ryan Reynolds and he'll do like not obviously full R-rated Deadpool, but he'll do some winky asides mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. will like play to parents. Um, but I think it's a little bit more like you know some good news or whatever that thing was that John Krasinski was doing during the pandemic, where he's just like I'm just gonna talk about things that are good. It's those vibes of like here's just a positive 
story that you know I'm trying to get out there versus that quiet place horror or his um uh he does the Jack Ryan movies, right? And he did like the Benghazi right? movie. Like he had like he starred in these action movies that are more like military tough guy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um you know things. Um and so I think this is like it's more that internet like I'm just like a cuddly fun guy side uh <laughs> of him which you know it, it could be good people could like it uh and there's there's a market for it people like pixar movies what if and now i'm realizing that the real winner of the super bowl is ryan reynolds because yeah he's he's popped up twice now in our conversation he has um, and he uh was responsible for uh I, you know i won't know if it's one of the best but he was responsible for another commercial which was the oh the uh, rexon one right the Anthony Hopkins uh, yeah. for the coffee because the coffee company is uh, the sort of, you know, a cold brew uh, off the, you know, in a bottle company Stoke or Stock uh, is a, um, you know, is the naming sponsor for the stadium in uh, in Wrexham. And it was uh, Welsh uh, native uh, Anthony Hopkins pretending to be the mascot at a Wrexham football game. Very funny. So, yeah, he's. Yeah. Uh, he really threw himself into the role. Uh, uh, yes. Um, uh, so yeah, it was uh, a, a good a good Super Bowl for Ryan Reynolds and his wife hung out with the most famous person oh, uh, attending right. the game. So right. she, uh, she was in the squad. Yes, uh, and, and there's a non-zero chance Ryan was there in the back of the mm-hmm. of the box, just not paying attention. He's just on his phone checking to make sure the Deadpool trailer came out. He's checking on the Deadpool trailer. He's I'm sure checking like Mint Mobile stock. He's probably making some other business arrangements. He's very savvy, right? He seems very on top of things. Did you have a favorite non-movie trailer commercial? Um, I have to succumb to my uh, just like basic Boston roots and say it was the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, J-Lo, Tom Brady, uh, many other people, Dunkin' Donuts commercial. Yes. Uh, basically, it's just like Ben Affleck's an incredibly frust- frustrating person to deal with. Um, was the joke of he's like, I'm going to try to be a, a rapper on, on a J-Lo album. And all of so his friends cringy. being like, Jesus, like, let's not do that. And J-Lo like trying to not say no, but also trying to get him to leave. I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, and and I deeply appreciate that, like the degree to which Ben Affleck, even even when it, not that it now is his lowest points, but at his lowest points has always seemed to be in on the joke that is like his public reputation. I feel like the addition of Matt Damon in that ad really mm-hmm. made it. I yes. feel like it's not; it's only like sort of funny unless, until, yeah, it, until they go full full Goodwill Hunting. Um, full Goodwill Hunting, and Matt Damon just so embarrassed and ashamed to be there. Uh, it, he had the best lines. I, I, you know, even as someone who grew up in Boston, rooting for the New England Patriots, I, I'm, I'm all, I'm over Tom Brady as a public persona, but he was pretty funny in there as like just someone who's totally clueless where he's just like, is this going to be on the record? Like he had a couple of pretty funny little like jumps, uh, jump ins, uh, in the, in the, uh, conversation. He might've well. been in the most commercials. Yeah. He cool. was in at least three. He kept popping up everywhere. Yeah. And which makes um, sense. He's, yeah, a, he's a former famous... NFL player. Yes. <laughs> like... He's a former NFL player who, is finally retired. And so folks can like stop, stop feeling like they're being, you know, rooting, supporting one team over another by having him mm-hmm. in a commercial. Uh, so yeah, he can do that. Peyton Manning still showing up. He was in one or two. Um, but yeah, that, I think the Dunkin' Donuts one was my favorite. I need to, uh, 
Well, I've got I've got two others that uh, I know Jasmine wanted me to make sure I shout out, but I, I don't want to step on yours. Do you have a favorite? What was your favorite? I do. But at first, I want to just add that the thing I yelled at my TV during the Dunkin' Donuts was, maybe this has gone too far. Yeah. All, all <laughs> I think it. that's all, kind of the has. delight in it. Yeah. Yes. Um, so my favorite one was the Arnold Schwarzenegger State Farm nice. commercial, just because, yeah, I don't know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, great. But also, there were so many... It was clearly made by people who have seen Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Yes. Um, and with especially the addition of Danny DeVito and mm-hmm. the twins and the, the twins reference. Um, I was like, I love it. I, I'm realizing now twins is probably a great movie that I would be like, that movie's incredible. And I bet someone who was five years older than me would, would be, be like, like huh? It actually wasn't that funny. It didn't. It was <laughs> It was someone who was 17 when that came out would be like, all right, buddy, calm down. Um, but, uh, so there, maybe twins is my twister, uh, is what I'm, is what I'm getting at mm-hmm, for these mm-hmm. ads. That one was great. And I did like the DeVito, uh, shout And the just end. like the, the neighbor delivery just never, they did it so neighbor. many times and it yeah. never got old. My neighbor. Yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> I was like, keep saying it, Arnold. Keep saying it. Don't stop. Uh, there also, I don't know if you noticed there was a short a shortened version because the game went to overtime. So they started uh, having to either repeat commercials. Oh, they were recycling or, the ads? Uh, or, but they were showing sometimes like, um, I don't I don't know if this is something anybody cares about, but you know, in the actual Super Bowl ads, sometimes those ads are, you know, 30 seconds or a minute, but then when they run them later, you know, they, they, you know, they will run them for the next like few months. They'll be truncated. So they'll either, you know, the minute ones will be 30 seconds. The 30 second ones might be 15 seconds just to, you know, get the most bang for their buck. And so there was another edit of that State Farm one that didn't go to Danny DeVito, but it, it ended with him and the director being like, neighbor, neighbor, like neighbor. And then uh, like Arnold was <laughs> was sitting in the in a helicopter, which is in the original ad, but he's in a helicopter in like a green screen thing. And it, and it just ends with him saying, get me out of the chopper. And like, just like full <laughs> of disgust. Like he's just so like annoyed he's that over he still it. has to be there. And, you know, that was another, that was great. That was another good, good little reference. Um, the one that, the one that Jasmine wanted me to point out, she really liked the Christopher Walken one, which was oh, basically was Christopher, like how many people impersonate Christopher Walken to Christopher Walken and him just having to deal with that. Um, she thought that was very uh, amusing. And uh, she liked, although she had heard about it beforehand, but she liked the CeraVe commercial with Michael Cera, which was Michael Cera trying to pitch it as like, shouldn't this be my product because it has my name? Uh, and she just thought that was really funny. Was so like, apparently the internet started that. It was a meme. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So the internet was like, wouldn't it be funny if Michael Cera endorsed this product? And then they decided to actually got, run with it. It got snakes on a plane into, yeah, into exactly. existence. So. Uh, great. I mean, well, that was good. She, I don't know if she would knew about the meme or if she did and was just happy it came to life. But those are, she was said, she said she, those are the things she wanted mentioned as, as good, good, good commercials, which I also enjoyed. I also endorse. Uh, yeah. I don't know if there were any else that, any other ones that I was like. The Beyonce one is the one that everyone's talking about. Okay. I thought it was funny, but it was like, you know, <laughs> I, I understand Beyonce is amazing at everything. Like I didn't need to. And whole yeah. ad to tell me that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like... <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I, I I feel like there was one or two other ones that I was like, oh, that was funny. Like that was well done. Or that's that's clever. Was you it know. there was one where everyone's trying to be Tina Fey? That was pretty good. Yeah. With Glenn Close. That, that was fine. 
Yeah, Glenn Close yeah. was in it. Yeah. Um, now I just feel super snobby. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciated just on the, just the, the reality of Dan Levy and Heidi Gardner getting, I think, three commercials during the course of the movie for the home buying equivalent of the Jeff Goldblum apartments.com. Uh, great. Like they weren't particularly funny commercials to me, but like, I was just, I liked the two of them. So I was glad they were getting a lot of money and, you know, working. The Jeff Goldblum apartments one. I really liked. Oh, sure. With that one had like an two aliens. And he's vibe. like, I don't want to yeah. assume anything. And then, and then he's like, I like these guys. So I was just like, Jeff yeah. Goldblum, you're the best. <laughs> yeah. Both oh, yeah. him and he and Nick Offerman, who was in the Aubrey Plaza Mountain Dew commercial, I want to say, mm-hmm. I feel like, I had the same reaction where I'm like, neither of them need to be working. And, and they, they probably are just bored and game for anything fun. And then John corrected me and was like, Jeff Goldblum probably has expensive habits. And I'm like, Oh, you're probably right. (laughs) He he needs to be in these commercials. That's true. Um, I mean, he did. I don't know if he still does it. He did play a jazz piano show every like Wednesday in Los Angeles for like a decade, which he probably doesn't make a lot of money from that doesn't you know mean he doesn't make enough money but yeah he probably spends reasonably well but it's also like, like a gentleman who enjoys finer things so uh, yes um and, and you know good good, good for him uh good you know, <laughs> l- l- i i'm not upset to see jeff goldblum in an ad i'm just sort of like yeah that's fun uh and he's gonna be the wizard in wicked so we, yeah. we get to see and him Michelle there too. Yeo. Yeah, like I'm actually way stock. Stock is the most up for Wicked for me. I want to say, which I would That's not fair. have expected going in. I, I think I think for me, to your points earlier, it's Deadpool and Wolverine has the biggest stock jump for me. Um, but I think Wicked's pretty far up there. The one movie we didn't mention that seemed reasonably prominent that I hadn't seen anything for before was the. Uh, uh, also, John Krasinski adjacent uh, A Quiet Place Day One, oh, that's which right. is the prequel, which had Lupita Nyong'o uh, in it. Um, I wouldn't have known it was A Quiet Place, but that's possible because I don't really have A Quiet Place. Like, I've never seen either of those uh, like all the way through. Yeah, I had I've to text seen, like, you and clips. ask you what was that commercial? What was that for? I just uh, missed it. I was like, I don't even know. I'm like, it looks like some sort of horror thrill movie. Thriller movie. Well, the, no the, idea the commercials. It is. They put the title of the movie. They say like a quiet place. Right. But I think I had missed the beginning. I like I had I missed think, that part. Yeah, and then right. at the end I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I mean, it looks okay. I mean, yeah, it looks like an alien. I mean, inevitably because it's day one, it's like this looks like an alien invasion movie. Of, like everything's fine. And then suddenly there's aliens uh, as opposed to the other movies, which is like people like a walking dead situation of folks. Hopefully it's not the handling the undead version of. An alien invasion movie. It didn't certainly didn't look like it. I mean, it would be, uh, you know, it would it would have to be uh, that they very selectively only chose the final like five minutes of right. the movie if uh, <laughs> if that's what they did. But no, I think it's uh, the rest of it's just Lupita Nyong'o watching TV. Yeah, um, Lupita Nyong'o just being like, I wish something would happen to me in my life. I wish I, w- I wish I wish these times weren't so staid and boring here in here in 2024. I wish things were interesting and exciting for me. Okay, well, unlike the Super Bowl, I don't think we need to run into overtime. So I think this is a good place to wrap up. PT, remind folks again where they can find us. Uh, They can find me personally, uh, which I'm sure was their uh, initial question, uh, on Letterboxd. um, And my handle there is PT McNiff, P-T-M-C-N-I-F-F, all 
one one word. Uh, and uh, they can also, if they use Letterboxd, uh, we are aiming, we're endeavoring to tag any reviews that we put up. Just uh, you can see the, the spread of responses. Um, when Jen does it, it's usually pretty well thought out. Sometimes even like a, a you know, the short take version of what might go on her Substack. Uh, and Greg usually has like a paragraph. Antonio, uh, I don't know if Antonio's tagging yet. We might have to talk to Antonio about the tag. Um, but he, you know, he writes nice things on Letterboxd and then I write something very stupid. That's like, I try to have it just be a sentence. Uh, and uh, uh, whatever. Greg opts for the one-liners. He does. He, that's true. He's also pithy uh, from time to time. Um, uh, successfully so. Well, it should be noted. So, uh, so that... Uh, uh, if you look at the, if you click on any of our reviews and you click on the tag LTR pod for the long take review podcast, which is what you're listening to, um, then you should be able to, to enter into a, a selection of movies that person has reviewed and you can pull down on, uh, the, the view menu to see everyone. Um, and then you can also follow us on Instagram and threads, uh, at the long take review, uh, on both of those platforms, uh, subscribe. Uh, leave a review. Why don't you you um, give us a rating on on Apple and I believe Spotify in particular because uh, those are really prominent and those the algorithms you know, will recommend things based on reviews. So hey, why don't you go and do that? That would be wonderful. We would love it. Uh, and you can also, if you want to contact us in in a non public way, you can send us an email, uh, the long take review at gmail dot com, uh, and that will be. At- responded to some at some point uh jen where can people find you they can find me on letterbox at qui-gon jen or on threads and instagram at subchakchai s-o-p-c-h-o-c-k-c-h-a-i can't call any penalties i shouldn't end with a football joke I, this is not something i should try to do um no personal uh, fouls? That's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, delay of game, uh, I think, is what uh, uh, is <laughs> what, is what we'll, we'll be flagged for, for this taking an hour and a half. That's fair. Um, but yeah, let's huddle <laughs> right. uh, up Pete. and snap the ball and run the wheel route. See you, everybody. <laughs>